Thanks, Daniel. My name is Ron Kuhl, and I am one of the pastors here at Hillside, and it's a joy to welcome all of you here. Special word of welcome to the moms who are here to celebrate with your families. Again, I join the others in wishing you a, a happy Mother's Day and a blessed Mother's Day. And again, for some of us, this is a tougher day, and uh, maybe we struggled with moms or whatever, but uh, we know that God's grace is with us, so, so happy Mother's Day. And then we really should take a moment to, to recognize it. Um, Dick and Mary Jo, where are you? There you are, 60 years of marriage on Friday. Congratulations. We are in our fourth week of our Maximum Impact series and and, uh, campaign uh, that we have going on here at Hillside, talking about making a maximum impact for Jesus Christ. And this is what we call Commitment Sunday. And so uh, a number of the Hillside folks, and if you put it in the earlier offering plate, that's all right. But at the end of the service, we're going to have a time where we're able to make commitments. Uh, There are cards in front of you if you forgot yours at home. But we're going to make pledges about what we're going to be giving to the building fund here at Hillside over the course of the next three years as we seek to make a maximum impact in this community and on each other for, for Jesus Christ. One thing that, again, I want to make just clear, and it's kind of housekeeping stuff, but you know, we, we are asking that the commitments we make to the building fund are in addition to our general fund commitments, okay? Just so that we all understand that, because it might be really fun to have a really nice new building, but if I don't get paid, Tammy's not going to be happy. So you know, we need to pay electric bills and all those other things, so we ask that this be uh, kind of in addition to that. And, and so, yeah, we'll be doing those service, uh, those commitment cards at the end again, you can hopefully find one nearby in the seats in front of you if you uh, left yours at home or whatever. Uh, and, and believe it or not, we'll take them tomorrow too. Um, but after that, you went out your No, we'll take them whenever. Um, anyway, what we've been doing here in this series is we started off with a really big picture, right? Of saying, what is God doing? What is God doing? We said that God is making all things new, that he is not just saving individuals, but he's recreating all things. He's, he, he's remaking all things, all things physical. He's recreating all the systems of this world, and he calls us to be faithful in following him everywhere. We said, then the second week, we said that the, the way God does this, the means God uses is his church, his people, that God chooses us to bring redemption into this world, to bring restoration, to make all things new. And then last week, we narrowed it down even further and, and got specific about when God taps us on the shoulder, when God says, I want you in the game, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? Are we going to say yes or are we going to say no to God when he wants us in the game, when he wants us to, and again, it's not just about money, but about serving and loving and caring for our neighbors and and doing all of those things that Jesus calls us to do. We, We make a maximum impact in so many different ways. And so when God taps us on the shoulder, And then this morning, I want to close out by asking a a question that I think all of us ought to ask with some real regularity, uh, maybe at least once a year or so. And uh, it's it's a question that ought to drive us uh, over and over again. The question is this, what will we leave behind? What's going to be our legacy when we're gone? I mean, the fact is, unless Jesus Christ comes back soon, each and every one of us will die, all right? Each and every one of us will die. And one of the questions we have to ask is, what, what will we leave behind? What will a, kind of an impact will we have made? What difference will it made that we were alive? It's a really big question, okay? I mean, it's a really huge question, but it's an important one for us to ask, ask again and again. The fact of the matter is, God created us to make a difference, God created us to to develop and grow and to serve and to give. And God created us to have an impact on other people. Even if there hadn't been sin in this world, we would have been able to have impact on other people. Okay, God created us that way. And and, and each and every one of us needs to recognize that one of the key questions of our lives is, is what kind of an impact will we make? At the end of the day, 
What will we have done with our life? What will they say about us at our funeral? How will we be remembered? What, 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 what kind of an impact will we have? What will our legacy be? What will we leave behind? And, and in some ways, again, a special challenge on Mother's Day to moms here. I know usually we just tell you how great you are and you're great and you're fantastic and everything. But today I want to challenge you a little bit to say, okay, what is your legacy you're giving to your kids? What is it to your grandkids? What are you going to give to them? Is it going to be just stuff? Or are you going to help them to know Jesus? Because that's going to have an eternal impact. What will we leave behind? In order to answer this question, I want to go to, to the book of, of 2 Timothy in the New Testament. All right, Paul's second letter to Timothy, and it's a really interesting letter for several reasons. The, the, the context of this, if you can imagine the, uh, the, the situation Paul is in when he writes this, is really important. Okay, This is the last letter that we have that Paul wrote. Okay, Paul probably wrote 13 letters that are in the New Testament. 13 of the New Testament books were written by Paul, perhaps that many. And, and this is the last one. Okay, so this is the last word from Paul. This is the last thing he's saying. And he's writing these words. This is even more important. He knows he's going to die, and he knows it's probably going to be soon. All right? Now, again, we can all sit here this morning and say, I know I'm going to die. But for most of us, we don't know when. For most of us, we don't say it's going to be soon. But here's Paul's situation. You see, when he wrote this letter, he was uh, under arrest in the city of Rome. And he was waiting judgment from Nero. That's the, the, the understanding, I think, the best understanding we have. He's awaiting judgment from Nero. Now, if you recognize that name at all, Emperor Nero, you know, Nero didn't often give a thumbs up to Christians, right? I mean, Nero was pretty well quick to say, if you're a Christian, head the off with you. And so Paul is maybe weeks maybe months, away from Nero taking his case and of Nero making a judgment. And he's got every reason to believe he's going to die. He's maybe 60, 65 years old at this point in his life. And and he has this opportunity to write to Timothy. Timothy, you need to understand, Paul and Timothy were very, very close. They they were a kind of a, a mentor and a mentee, but it was more like a father and a son. Paul had, had, had trained Timothy in the ministry. Paul had built into him. They had loved each other. They had cared for each other. And so they had this amazingly close relationship. So again, put yourself in that position. Imagine that you are six weeks away from dying. And, and part of what you want to do is just say goodbye to some folks. And you want to give them one last word of encouragement, one last word of challenge. Think about writing to your kids knowing you're going to die in two months. That's this letter. That's what Paul is doing. And, and, and that's the, the passion that he has in this, all right? And so that's why I say this letter is a really, really, really powerful letter if we understand that situation. Uh, one other thing we need to understand about Paul in this letter, and it's really important as we think about leaving a legacy, Paul always, as, as usual and as always, he starts with God's grace, okay? When, when we talk about leaving a legacy and when we talk about challenging you, what, what are we going to leave behind? The fact is some of you are feeling guilty already, and I haven't really started on that. I mean, some of you are, right, you're already feeling like I'm not the mom I should be. Oh, gosh, I hate Mother's Day because it reminds me that I'm not as good as other moms. And, 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 and we can feel so guilty about this. Friends, I know we want to do better, but guess what? You're not saved by being a good mom. You're not saved by how much you commit to this campaign. You're not saved by how much you teach Sunday school, though that's closer. But, I mean, you're not saved by any of those things. You're saved by God's grace. And Paul said that. I mean, here's a guy who did more for Jesus Christ probably than anybody else, and yet he says, it's all about grace, right? Chapter 1, verse 9. 
Paul says, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. I mean, Paul says, not because of anything that I did before I knew Jesus Christ, not because of anything I've done since I've known Jesus Christ. Paul says, God saved me, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Friends, we're saved by grace. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that saves us. What you do, how you serve, does not save you. You are loved, you are accepted, you are forgiven by Jesus Christ. And, 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 and what the New Testament teaches is that when we understand that, then we just, just want to say thank you with our lives, right? We just want to give back to God with our lives. And that's what Paul does. And, and that's what Paul challenges Timothy to do. I want to jump ahead now to, to the last chapter. So last chapter of the last letter that Paul writes. And, and he kind of gives his last kind of encouragement to Timothy here, 1 Timothy 4 or 2 Timothy 4, excuse me, verse 5. He says, But you, you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, keep serving, Timothy, keep giving. And then Paul starts to talk about himself, and this is what I want to get at, okay? Paul starts to talk about himself, and and these words, starting at verse 6. He says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. As Paul talks about his death, he gives us two images here. The first one is of a drink offering. This would have been a kind of a standard offering in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, it would involve most often a glass of wine or a jug of wine or whatever, and it would be a, 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 a thanksgiving. It would be a commitment. What you would do is you'd take that glass and you just pour it on the altar, You say, God, I pour out my life to you. God, I give you thanks, and I give you all that I am. God, you are just so good, and so I celebrate life, and I pour out this wine. I pour out this drink offering to you, and it's this act of thanksgiving and of commitment, and Paul says, that's what I'm doing with the rest of my life. I mean, Paul's saying, and and you think about it, if he's going to get his head cut off, I mean, his blood is going to flow. I mean, when he's talking about his life as a drink offering, he's literally talking about his blood. Paul says, my life is already being poured out like a drink offering, all right? The other image is one that I think is, is, is one I want to spend a little more time on because I think it gives us that picture of, of what happens when we die, and, and I think it's a beautiful picture. I'm not saying death is good. It's still an enemy. But he says, the time of my departure is near. The time of my departure is near. This word might refer to pulling up stakes in a tent, but I think really kind of what Paul has in mind, the, the word departure here, uh, literally that Paul uses, it, it was used of casting off, okay? It was used of a boat leaving, all right? Here's a, here's a boat, all right? And, and so if, when you leave in a boat, what happens, right? You untie. This is loosening is what that word literally means. It's time for my loosening. It's time for me to let go of my ties to this world, and I'm going to sail off. And part of the reason I love this image is because it reminds us that as Christians, we don't just empty ourselves, and that's the end. But as Christians, when we leave here, we begin the journey, and we are brought into the presence of our Heavenly Father. And so for Paul, it was the time of departure uh, into the place where he's been longing to be, into heaven, into the, the presence of his Heavenly Father. And Paul says, that's what death is for me. It's a departure. It's, it's, I'm, I'm letting go of my ties here, and, I, and I'm taking off. And again, I, th- I just think about that, and I think, you know, you, you look at that, and the fact is someday you and I will walk down that dock. Not this one, but you know what I mean, right? Someday we will walk down a dock like that, and we will get in a boat, 
and we will go to a new place. And I think Paul was pretty excited about that place. He said in another letter, he said, you know what, I'd rather be with the Lord than here, but I've got work to do here, and so it's good to be here, and, and we celebrate that. And it's sad when somebody goes. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, when somebody goes, they're just taking a boat ride to heaven, and it's cool. No, it still hurts us because we miss them, okay? And, and so all that is real, and all that is there. But Paul says, I'm getting ready to go forward. And then what he does is he says, before I take off on my boat, Timothy, I want to I look back over 30 years of serving Jesus. I want to look back over 30 years of following Jesus Christ. And he talks about his legacy. And in verse 7, he tells us three things about how he describes his life. And as we go through these things, I want each of us to kind of be saying, all right, what about me? Am I doing that? Would I be able to say that on my deathbed? Now, I am convinced there were regrets that Paul had. He doesn't mention them here, but Paul was honest enough. He knew he was a sinner, okay? So if you look back and say, well, Paul just said good things. He knew that there were struggles. He knew that there were failures. He knew that there were places he had blown it. But, but he gives us these three things. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to think about each one of those with you for just a couple of minutes, all right? First of all, Paul looks back at his life. He's, he's getting ready to go home to be with Jesus. And he says, you know what? I fought the good fight. I fought the good fight. Now, we've got to be a little careful with this one because if you're like me, I had this one kind of misunderstood most of my life because what I kind of thought was that Paul was saying was, I fought a good fight. I fought well, right? Paul was describing how he fought. He said, I did well. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I did well. But he doesn't say I fought a good fight. No. He says, I fought the good fight. I fought the good fight, all right? And what that means, and just think about this, is what Paul is really saying here is I fought the right fight. It, it, that's what the good is. It's not about how he fought. It's about which fight he fought, right? It, it, and, and, and that makes a difference. You see, what Paul knows, pa- Paul knows that we can fight our, a lot of different fights with our lives. You can use your energy. You can use your resources to try to battle a lot of things. You can fight the battle of, of, of financial security, right? You could say, I have fought that fight. I fought to make sure that I always had enough, that I always had a lot of possessions, that I always had a lot of power, that I always had a lot of pleasure. We can throw ourselves into so many things. Paul says, you know what? I threw myself into the stuff that matters most. I threw my stuff, myself into the stuff that matters most. I fought the right fight. The fact is we all get pulled in a hundred different directions. And, and Paul is not saying here that we're all supposed to become pastors. I mean, Paul was a tent maker. He was bivocational, all right? He was in the business place, in the marketplace all the time. But Paul's deepest passion, Paul's deepest passion was the kingdom of God. And one of the questions I want you to think about as you think about your legacy is, what am I really passionate about? What am I really pouring my life into? If I look at my time, if I look at my money, if I look at what I do with the gifts that God has given to me, what is my biggest passion? Your boat, your house, your golf game. What is it? Honestly, because unless it's, unless it's the kingdom of God, it really doesn't matter very much. Unless it's the kingdom of God, what you're leaving behind is a pile of sand. Paul poured himself into people. Paul poured himself into loving others, into helping others come to know Christ, helping others come to grow in Christ. Paul poured himself into people. He poured himself into the kingdom of God. And he poured himself into fighting against sin in his own life. Paul said, this is the fight I'm fighting. And it doesn't mean he didn't enjoy life. It doesn't mean he didn't do a number of other things with his life. 
But he said, more than anything else, I want to I touch lives for Jesus Christ. I want to make a difference for the kingdom. I, I want to build into people. I want to help them come to know who Jesus Christ is. And, and again, that's why this campaign is about much more than just money. Yeah, we want to get some money. We want to, because we think we can make a bigger impact, that we need some more spaces and so on. But friends, partly, I mean, at the end of the day, we can build a castle to ourselves or we can build the kingdom of God. And, and, and again, for most of us, we're doing our best. And I know that. And I just want to say, keep it up and, and let's work at that. So what about us? What fight are we fighting? What fight are we fighting? Whose kingdom are we building? And, and then the last question there, there, the statement is just, there's no greater joy than building God's kingdom, Okay. There is nothing better you can do with your life than building God's kingdom. To have the opportunity to hear people say, you helped me learn about Jesus is the most amazing thing in the world. And again, it is just so cool when that happens. And I look at the way you have done that in so many different ways. And and so that's the first one. Paul says, I fought the good fight. As I look at my life, I can say, you know what? I gave myself more than anything else to the kingdom of God. Again, it doesn't mean that's what we all do full-time vocationally. But that was my deepest passion. That's got my best energy. That got my, my deepest hope. It, it was, it was to, to build the kingdom of God. It was to pour into people, all right? So I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Paul says, I've finished the race. When Paul talks about a race, when the New Testament talks about a race, it often does following Jesus Christ is, is like running a race. There are usually kind of two things I always think about that we need to keep in mind. First thing is it's a long race, Okay. It's not a sprint. It's not, yep, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, and then I'll be done with that, and then I'll get on with my other stuff. No, it is a lifelong task. The author to the letter of Hebrews there in chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us run with perseverance the race, the marathon, the mega marathon, the rest of our lives. And, 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 and so when Paul says, I have, I have finished the race, he's talking about being faithful. Again, for Paul, it was over 30 years. For some of you, it's 60, 70, 80 years of following Jesus Christ. And being able to say, you know what, I've, I've kept the ra- faith through all of that. I, I've finished the race. I stayed faithful to the end. I did all that God is calling me to do. It is a long race. The other thing I think we need to recognize, and, and again, this gets at a mom thing and a dad thing, but, but yeah, Paul says, I kept at it to the end. It, it, it's a relay race. It's a relay race. See, it's not just kind of Paul saying, okay, I ran my race, and now I'm done, and that's all there is to it. No, Paul race, Paul's race included passing the baton on to Timothy. I mean, that's what he talks about throughout this letter. That's his passion. He says, I'm going to pass it on to you, Timothy. And he said, Timothy, you pass it on to others. And those others, teach them to pass it on to others. And when their race is done, teach them to pass it on to others, and teach them to pass it on to others. And, and on and on it goes throughout history. And, and so what Paul is saying here is, I ran my leg of the race well. I ran my leg, and it's interesting, again, just real quick, the Christian life, your race is not my race, my race is not your race. Your race is your race. My race is my race. Run the race God has set before you, okay? And don't worry about everybody else's race, okay? So I ran my leg as best I could, and I passed on the baton of faith. So again, what about us? Are we still running to the end? We're going to stay faithful, you know, yeah, again, to the seniors among us, thank God for you. I really do. You still have work to do. You still have opportunities to impact. 
Okay, you're not done. Maybe you get to take a step back. We'll recognize that. But you still have an impact on grandkids, great-grandkids, and so many others. Keep running to the end. And then are we passing on the baton? One of my, uh, one of my memories of my mom, and please, this is not to make you feel guilty, but one of the memories of my mom is we were up on 84th Street on Byron Center. She'd wake us all up. We'd get dressed, and I remember coming down, and more often than not, we'd still catch her doing her devotions. She'd have gotten up early, gotten breakfast ready, woke us up, and then finished up her devotions. And when I think of my mom, that's part of her legacy. That's part of what she has done with her life. That's the gift she has given to me, one of the gifts she has given to me. Now, again, some of you are saying, oh, I'm not as good as Ron's mom. Um, well, not many of us are. She's, but she has some faults. I won't take time to tell you about them, but she has some faults. Um, but again, moms, dads, are we passing on the baton? Are we just teaching our kids how to work, or are we teaching them how to love Jesus? Are we just teaching our kids how to succeed in the world, or are we teaching them how to be followers of Jesus Christ? We are called to run the race, and we are called to pass the baton on to others, not just our kids, but to others. Are we building into people? That's part of running the race. It is a relay race, all right? Are we passing on the baton? And again, that fits into the campaign, because the first thing we're going to build are nurseries and, and, and classrooms. And it's about kids first and trying to pass on the baton, trying to bless others. So I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And then Paul says, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Two things, again, that Paul has in mind here. The first one is, is maybe the harder one for us to think about. But he says, I've, I've, when he says, talks about keeping the faith, it's protecting the faith. You see, there were people in Paul's day. There were people who were distorting the truth about Jesus Christ. It still happens in our day, right? There were people who were saying, well, Jesus really wasn't human. Jesus really wasn't God. Jesus really didn't die on the cross. He just fell asleep. Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. He really didn't do that. The disciples just said he did. There were people who were distorting the message of Christianity. They were saying, you know what? You have to obey all these rules, or you, 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 you can't obey these rules, or you don't have to obey any rule. There were people distorting it, and Paul says, you know what? I kept my hands on the real thing. I, I kept holding on to Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting, and, and I just want us to, to think about this, because when we think about holding on to the faith, I, I think that one of the things that can sometimes happen is that we kind of, if we tend to, some of, let, let's face it, we're all either kind of liberal or we're all kind of conservative, right? Okay, we all lean one way or the other. We don't have to raise our hands here or anything, but we all lean one way or the other. And when we hear this, it's like, yeah, that's right. That's why we got to watch out for those liberals, or that's right. That's why we got to rise. But the fact is, in, in, in Paul's letters to Timothy, he was worried about both sides, friends. There were some who were, who were too liberal. In, in, in parts of First and Second Timothy, Paul is talking to some, some people who were saying, it doesn't matter how you live. It's all about grace. It doesn't matter how you live. Your body isn't important. It doesn't matter what you do. Go ahead and do whatever. And Paul says, no, we are called to holiness, right? We are called to holiness. And Paul calls us to that. And he says, yeah, we are saved by grace. But there is also a calling on our lives. And so there's a, a challenge to those who are on that side. But on the other hand, there were some who were too conservative. There were some who were saying, oh, you can't eat this food and you can't eat that food. And you can't go to here on Sunday, whatever. Um, you can't do this. You can't do that. All these different things. And Paul says, it's wives' tales. We're saved by grace. We're free in Christ. And, 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 and so I just think about this, and I think, you know, for all of us, when we think about keeping the faith, let's have the humility and recognize that we can, we can get off on either end. 
as we teach the faith to our kids, as we hold on to the faith ourselves, Paul held on to the real faith. He held on to the truth about Jesus Christ, and he kept that faith. And and so can I say, as you discuss in Christian love on the internet, can you have some humility to recognize God's worried about both being too liberal and too conservative? And we quit calling each other names. I want to preach a whole sermon on what some of you are doing on the internet and just tell you to get off of it. But that's a, we're not going to do that today. I've, I've protected the faith. You're not protecting the faith, some of you. You're giving Christians a black, black eye. All right? So please, keeping the faith is, is pointing to Jesus and holding on to the truth about Jesus and not recognizing that we are called to holiness and freedom and trying to figure out what that looks like. So, all right. That part of the sermon is done, I think. All right, I've protected the faith, but it's also I've kept the faith as I've kept on believing. I've kept on believing. I've kept the faith. I I haven't let go of it. And and let's just be honest, it's not always easy, okay? For some people, it is, and, and, and their faith is genuine. And for some people, believing is just easy, and that's great. And I bless God for you. But for some of us, it's not always easy to believe. For some of us... We just kind of feel like, is it really true? Is it really true? I'm trying to believe God. I do believe. Help my unbelief. And, and for Paul, I mean, you think about it. This guy, you know, shipwrecked, beaten so many times, thrown in jail, so many difficulties in his life. You got to believe that there were times when he just said, God, could I like win once? Could I like not get beaten once? Could, could, could you just, you know, I mean, but Paul kept the faith. He held on to Jesus Christ. Till the very end. And again, what about us? Are, are we holding to the real Jesus? And, and I think about that as a church. What we need to preach here, what we need to teach here is, is real, the real Jesus. Because a fake Jesus, just a nice Jesus, an unreal Jesus, cannot change lives. If we're, if we're kind of losing our truth about who Jesus is, then we're not going to be able to change lives. We need to make sure we preach all of Christ, but nothing more than Christ. All right? So are we holding on to the real Jesus, and are we still believing? As we struggle, will we still say, this I know, God is with me. So those three things, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, and then Paul says this, he kind of turns back and says, now, as I look forward, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So again, let's go back to the boat. Paul says, I'm going to untie the ropes, and I'm going to get to heaven. And when I get there, I'm going to get a crown, a crown of righteousness. Paul's not bragging here. This is not his righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. I know that on that day, I will be declared righteous because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And on that day, I will be recognized as a victor because we have victory in Jesus, right? And on that day, I will celebrate that. And so Paul says, this is not just for me. I'm not bragging about my life. I'm saying it's for all of us who belong to Jesus Christ. Someday we will get a crown. And again, I think this is so cool to think about it in this situation because Paul knows that Nero will say guilty. But Paul knows that after that sentence is carried out, Jesus Christ will say righteous. And he's living his life for that judgment, not the one here on earth. And so just as we close here, let's come back to the question, what are you going to leave behind? 
What what will your legacy be? What will my legacy be? Like I say, this is not a one-time question. This is an ongoing question to say, what am I doing with my life? Am I fighting the right fight? Am I finishing the race? Am I passing on the faith? Am I keeping the faith real and holding on to Christ? One of the ways we do this is, is by making a commitment to the Maximum Impact Campaign. So if you have your envelopes, you can take them out now. If you don't, but you know what you're going to pledge, you can grab one of those from the seats in front of you. And, and what we're going to do is just have a time of, of thinking about leaving a legacy. Amy Kloster is going to come on up and play. The band's going to be here. A song by Nicole Norderman uh, called I Want to Leave a Legacy, all right? And some of you are familiar with it. But it, to me, it's a great song of challenging us to say, you know what, I... God, I want to do this with my life. And so as we do this, for those of you who have already made pledges or who aren't going to be able to uh, make a pledge at this time, again, you can just say, I pledge to pray. But, you know, if you've already done that, then just, just let that be your prayer for, for your life with your friends, in your neighborhood, at your workplace. I want to leave a legacy. Let's pray, and then we'll do that song. And Father... You have called us and created us to make a difference. You've created us to love you, to love each other, and to care for those who are lost. So, Father, as we think about how we do that as a church, we pray that you will help us to make a maximum impact. Father, we want to make a difference in your name, and we pray that you do that through all of us together. Father, as we think about doing that with some different facilities, we just pray that you will bless that effort. Father, we also pray that us as individuals as moms, dads, grandpas, grandmas, friends, uncles, aunts, nieces, daughters, sons, for all of those roles that we have in our lives. Father, we want to make a difference. We want to leave a legacy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.